Hello listeners and thank you for joining us today for the Batuta Advocate Radio Show here on Desert Rock FM. If you're an old listener, welcome back. If you're a new one, thank you for stopping by. My name is Errol Parker and with me in the booth, as always, is my colleague Clancy Overell. Yes, thank you for joining us today. We've got a very notable guest stopping by today, don't we, Errol? We certainly do, Clancy. He's made it all the way out to the Channel Country to talk to us today about a whole raft of issues. We won't beat around the bush too much. He's one of our country's former Prime Ministers, and his name is Kevin Rudd. The man who served as Prime Minister twice and rode a success on a real wave in 2007. That's right. K. Rudd, Kevin 07, is in Batuta for the release of his latest book, which is called Kevin Rudd, The PM Years. He's been stirring people up all over the country this week, and we're going to see what we can get out of him. He's done a fair bit of media, and I reckon we've got him just off guard here. He's ready to go uh, off the clock and really, really talk out of school. Yeah, he's been calling for a royal commission into Rupert Murdoch's ownership of some of our biased media rivals and has reopened some of the wounds from the various leadership tussles in the Labor Party. Uh, he has just stepped in through the booth here at the Koala Mattress Studio, so he might just get into it. You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, here we are in the Queensland Channel country, the Batuta Advocate radio show, with... Uh, Number 25. Bullshit, 26. 26. 26, 26 and <laughs> then 28. 26 and then 28. Yeah, but in our system of counting, you stay at 26. Right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you right. just call me the 26th. Mr. 26th. Or just K-Rod. Or K-Rod. K-Rod. Yeah. Or Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Or Kevin. Or um, this one here we have. Lu Kuang. Lu Kuang. Lu Kuang. Lu Ke Wen Lu Ke Wen Yeah Ke as in to I'll work on it Ke as in to overcome And Wen The mm. classics now, Can you tell <laughs> yeah, us Very fitting Yeah You tell us where the Chinese Just quickly Because um, I'm sure there's a lot to it But Your electorate Isn't predominantly Chinese I mean there's a Chinese presence I guess When, when you were um, A politician In the Griffith electorate it's um, it's a pretty diverse place, but it's not heavily Chinese. That, that was never something that really had to that you kind of could flex with on the ground, was it? Absolutely not. They were mainly Queenslanders. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, they're they're funny cattle, as you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just your average uh, inner city electorate. Nothing special. Mm. And uh, and uh, historically, that part of Brisbane has always swung between the, the conservatives and ourselves. So it was tough territory, and. Uh, Tough country. Mm. Snake country. Snake country. Mm. Yeah. Do you think Terry's got it in safe hands this election, Terry Butler? I think so. Uh, She's always got to make sure she's out and about and doing things. Mm. But if she does that well and uh, and doesn't uh, take it for granted, she'll be fine. Now, can you tell us, you're back on the scene, you're doing a bit of a media run. You you spoke to um, the the Aryan radio jockey that was yesterday, Tom Tilly. Mm -hmm. Um, Bit of a media flutter. Yes. Must be a book out. Uh, that's true. Uh, normally I just flutter for the sake of it. Mm. But, yeah. But this time there's a book. And so it's egregious self-interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the promotion of this work of literature, which um, is on its way to the Nobel Committee. Right. You back yourself? No. <laughs> Not if you've been as close to the writing of it as I have. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, it's been a while uh, between drinks for, a, for Australian 
Gifts at the Nobel Prize for Patrick, Literature. Patrick White. For the Steel Mandala, wasn't it? Uh, Eye of the Storm. Eye of the Storm. I think it. he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. So that and the PMUs, they're in the, they're in the they're gunning. PMUs by Kevin Rudd. In the gunning, in the running. So is this written in response to maybe you thinking that there's been a bit of revisionist history um, in how you've been portrayed? in alors. Yes. Could that be possible? Mm. It's, it's Australia. They don't do revisionist history here. No, no, no. No, it's called uh, a version of history which seeks to elevate uh, what I'd describe as um, crass personal ambition in the great tradition of William Shakespeare uh, into a uh, much nobler purpose, mm. higher, loftier ambition for nation, country and the planet. Mm-hmm. In other words, that's just bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, what I've done instead is um, tried to reassemble the facts and explain what happened um, day by day in the critical events of June 2010. The um, Labour Party, do you get sent Christmas cards? Uh, yeah, I usually shred them. Yeah, right. Yep. They've still got you on the, yeah. the mail out. Yeah, yeah. you are probably still get a few more than Mark Latham would these days. Yeah, I think Latham's down to his last one. Mm. So, But he sends it back to himself every Christmas now. <laughs> so uh, I get fresh ones. So, Is there a fear that you could be left unattended long enough to turn into a shock jock? I don't think I've got the necessary skill set to be a shock jock. Uh, when I look at the uh, preeminent shock jocks of the country, uh, Hadley, uh, Jones and the rest, Neil Mitchell in Melbourne, uh, I just don't have the personality. Uh, those people are seriously interesting. Yeah, and you've, uh, and sort of judging by the headlines in the past couple of weeks and past couple of months, you don't really have too much of an affinity for Rupert Murdoch. And uh, I think that's one one thing that you do need uh, to be a shock jock in this kind of day and age. Yeah, you've got to be basically an appendage of Rupert. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, Rupert writes a script, what the shock docs do, then read it on radio. That's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. And if you basically don't like Rupert, and I don't really like Rupert, uh, then uh, you're on your own. Then they cut you down, mince you up, and put you in a bag. So just to delve down this rat hole, which um, a lot of our readers will... Um, probably jump online straight afterwards. Um, a lot of our listeners as well. What? Wh- how how, how many readers and listeners do you have? We have one million readers on the website a week. That's seriously Batuta. Mm-hmm. And we fluctuate. We might have a few more listeners this week. But um, I'm impressed. You probably won't top Paul Kelly. I don't think. It's okay. Which Kelly? Paul. Paul Kelly. The singer songwriter. Oh, that Paul Kelly. Not, yeah. not your Murdoch, mate. Oh, okay. No. That's good. <laughs> or the AFL player. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was obviously, you know, when you can nab an interview with him. No one gets to hear from him anymore. But we've heard a lot from you this week, and we've heard a lot about Murdoch. And I want to kind of go down that rat hole. What do you think happens? Do you think it honestly comes from the top and he says, we're done? Malcolm's done. Do you think, that, do you think it happens like that? I think it's uh, along these lines. The uh, Murdoch senior executives have learnt over a long period of time how to read their boss. So he may not, um, as it were, stand on the top of Mount Olympus and put up signs like the Hollywood sign and said, kill Malcolm Mm -hmm. or crucify Kevin. Uh, But the message is loud and clear as to what's happening. In my case, in 2013, 
in case they didn't pick up the subtlety of the message, he sent his principal disciple from um, New York, the then editor of the New York Post, Col Allen, back to Sydney here to run the campaign out of Holt Street, which is Murdoch's corporate yeah. headquarters here in Sydney. And secondly, just in case they lost the subtlety of that particular message, he tweeted repeatedly during the campaign, basically, kill Kevin, elevate Tony. That's what we describe in Rupert Landers' subtlety. Mm. <laughs> but it's a, it's a family program. He didn't say that. Yeah. Were you able to tell on the inverse when you were on the campaign trail in 2007? Could you kind of feel in the air that Rupert had kind of lost his, his liking for John Howard? Yeah, what um, the Murdoch approach is fascinating to observe up close, not just here, but in the United States and the United Kingdom. Principle number one, it's always far better to have a centre-right or far-right government. Why? They're always going to look after Rupert's ideological interests, scorched earth, no taxes, kill the planet. Uh, And secondly, on top of that, look after Rupert's commercial interests. That is what he wants in terms of... um, Uh, sporting rights uh, for his uh, cable television networks as well as leaving his Foxtel entertainment network without any effective competition. But if uh, principle number two is if Rupert sees that uh, there is a change of government that's inevitable because the other mob have been in for too long, then he will send a signal, usually through the National Daily, The Australian, which is, okay, everyone hold their nose. This mob, the centre-left, are about to get in and let's actually engineer a favourable uh, editorial on election eve. Yeah. In the meantime, use your tabloids to try and crucify this guy on the way through. That's what happened to me during 2007. You don't feel like they were backing you? Uh, I'd suggest you read uh, The yeah. Telegraph and The Herald Sun mm. and The Courier Mail during the course of 07. Yeah. When I was accused of basically most crimes against humanity, together with my wife, family, kids and dog and cat, um, so that's the way in which they do it. So at the end of the day, when you do eventually win, they say, look, we backed you. And at the same time, they said they were able to take as much paint off you as possible yeah. on the way through. And as soon as you've won, then we're back to normal, which is let's crucify this guy as quickly as possible and get him out of office. That's called the subtle Murdoch approach, mm-hmm. known in code language as the SMA, subtle Murdoch approach. Smart. It came a bit hotter. He came, like, yeah, from memory... There was a few big, big, big... Um, I mean, obviously, there was some quite blatant ones um, in uh, 2013 election with the Australia Needs Tony. That was pretty much... That was a good one. That was a, almost mm. a campaign poster. Me in, the, me in the Gestapo uniform on the front page was good. Yeah. Uh, bringing the yeah, Clown um, with Peter Beatty. Yeah. Bringing the Clown with Peter Beatty. But my favourite was me dressed up as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> With the little ma- yeah, the mask on. Because I've often had this latent urge towards cannibalism, but I've managed to res- you know restrain it so far. Yeah. By God, these people pick me, and I, you know I was revealed for being the cannibal that I really am. So, for, for God's sake, and they call it a free media. Give us a break. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what Batuta Advocate aims anyway. to do: is serve, um, you know, without fear or favour. Yeah. Now that we don't have an owner yet. Mm. One day, huh? Sharks are circling, but uh, yeah. we remain independent for now, Kevin. Now, Kevin, can you uh, kind of give us a run through? While you have, you've obviously got to swap those flies from the, um, you know, Bzz. as you said, the ideological Bzz. kind of Bzz. conservative media. Yeah. yeah. You've also got um, the Bzz. other end of the spectrum um, in your own party and the, and the, you know, and the issues you have there. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into here and um, 
it's probably the relationships that you don't see being repaired uh, within the Labor Party, you know? Yeah. Well, there aren't, all that, there, there aren't all that many, actually. Those who organised the coup back in June of 2010 would comfortably fit in half of this room that we're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's only about half a dozen of them. They're basically mm-hmm. disgruntled, ultimately fairly talentless, factional, uh, faceless men mm-hmm. uh, whose power lies in their ability to organise themselves in, into little groups and grouplets and to organise who gets the uh, prize at the end of the day. The men girls. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like a union. You know? <laughs> uh, it's kind of odd the way in which it works. So I never quite understood those rules. I had this old-fashioned view that kind of it was meritocratic. Yeah. Uh, and you go out there and you compete and uh, people either think that you've got talent or they don't. And not according to the faceless men. So the faceless men, as I said, only half a dozen or so of them, but enormously power when you put together their ability to threaten people's pre-selections and their political futures. They organised it, they did it, the rules of the party permitted it, uh, and the rest is history. And, of course, Julia Gillard was a willing companion. Uh, It was a Shakespearean triumph, which became a tragedy. When you came back and and reclaimed your job, what what were you being fueled on? Were you being fueled on... uh, Ovaltine. Yeah. yeah, no, not not vengeance. Cold-hearted, kind of cold. It was a bit of Milo too. Well, the people who came few in two thousand and ten were they the same ones who came back and were like, um, "We don't think we've got this in the bag, mate. Do you reckon you could come back and it win was, this for us?" Yeah, half of them came back, uh, shall I say, grovelling through the back door. Yeah, in a very quiet and tasteful sort of way. Sort of, they take you out. To lunch or something? No, no, no. It wasn't quite like that. In but Kingston, it was, it, was, nice. it was along. It was along the lines. It was paper bag, actually. <laughs> the um, right. Sanger and um, and uh, a can of Coke. But no, it was more along the lines of uh, we're about to all lose our jobs and get voted out of Parliament. Can you yeah. come and help us, please, very much? Mm. And to which I'd said, Did I miss something? What happened three years ago? They said, bygones be bygones. And I said, uh-huh, what else is uh, on the table here? They said, nothing, just your moment to lead us to, shall we say, a noble defeat. So I said, okay, I'll do that and we'll save the furniture, but here's the catch, guys. We're going to change the rules of the Labor Party. Oh, they said, how are we going to change the rules of the Labor Party? We're going to change them by insisting that all future elections for the leadership of the party will be a complex ballot over three months involving a 50% vote by the parliamentary members of the party, a 50% vote of the national membership of the party, triggered only by a 75% petition of yeah. federal MPs demanding such a ballot. In other words, constructing the world's largest speed bump to prevent someone just cracking the shits with you at five minutes to midnight and saying, your, your job's gone, sunshine, because you looked at me the wrong way in the lift and you didn't give him a job to my Aunt Sally. Yeah. That's called the Rudd Rule. Yeah. yeah. How easy was that to, uh, oh, they all to get balked. through? Because yeah. uh, the greatest thing was after they said, yeah, yeah, mate. Yes, mate, 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 yeah, sure. mate. Yeah. It's fine, mate. Um, and then afterwards they said, mate, um, uh, why don't we do that after the election? Mate, mate. Do you think we'll see? And then I said, uh-uh. I said, unless we do this uh, before the election, you'll get yourself another leader for the election because I won't be here. And so uh, we then took them off to the Balmain Town Hall, uh, which was where the Labor Party was first formed in 1891. And we had... Sorry for that, Bark Holden. uh, We had... uh, Well, Barky was just a little bit later. I'm a Queenslander. Mm. Yeah. And... um, and we had a special meeting and we changed the rules. And even then, the faceless men argued against it on the floor of the caucus that day. But we prevailed. And as a result, Bill Shorten has had uh, five years 
of political stability, and they've been through three Conservative Prime Ministers. They should adopt the Rudd rule. But do you think that had they adopted the Rudd rule, Shorten would be looking this good to win the election? Impossible hypothetical, my friend. You, yeah. you, don't, think, you don't think that they've given themselves a swirl, final swirl of the toilet, sent Morrison out as a night watchman, and then, and then for another sporting reference, sorry, back to back, I'm uh, with you. Bradbury. I'm with you with the toilet yeah. analogy. Yeah. Uh, and when I think of the Conservatives in political office, mm. uh, I think that's poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's, um, it's uh, the right visual metaphor for the mm. sort of politics they serve up. Uh, but the bottom line is because uh, they have copped a dose of the factional disease even worse than we used to have it, uh, the Liberal Party... Yeah. Uh, is now in its own death spiral. Uh, and uh, hold the phone. They might do it again before the next election. Who knows? Do you think we could see uh, a Rudd-style speed bump being uh, installed in, in into the Liberal Party on the back of this? You mean a, a Rudd bump? Yeah, a Rudd bump. Well, when I launched this book the other day in Canberra on Tuesday, Julie Bishop was kind enough to come along. I said, Jules, uh, we've got the Rudd rule for the Labor Party, why don't you adopt it and call it the Bishop Rule for the Liberal Party? She interjected and said, Kevin, you're not being very helpful. (laughs) Uh, To which I then said, I've never been helpful, but always constructive. (laughs) So I think what they could do is do a bit of nip and tuck uh, and put a bit of embroidery around the outside uh, and call it uh, whatever rule they want. Let's call it the Bishop Rule. But until they do that, the punters legitimately going to expect that this mob will just keep doing it. Mm. I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Five years of leadership stability in the Labor Party because I changed the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this mob, uh, we've had in office three prime ministers in five years. It's a joke. In fact, it's an international joke. It's a bad joke. So do you reckon uh, the factional kind of thing that's going on in the Liberal Party, would you say... You rolled your own, by the way. Yes. Is that Becky in your top Champion pocket? Ruby. Wow. Yeah. Familiar. It's a lot yeah. more, uh, I think you put these... I think you put these labels on it, didn't you? You can blame yeah. me for those labels, yeah. every one of them. Yeah. The They're now taken on, taken up by 12 countries around the world, but yeah. they obviously had an effect on you, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Well, I think I got the... the Oh, just teeth, this one, so it's all good. <laughs> now, can you, can you tell us... Um, <laughs> that's, that's fine, then, you know. Who needs you, teeth? Tell us with uh, the Liberal... Uh, tell us about what goes on, if you can kind of give us an explanation of what you think goes on in the mind of a nameless, talentless backbencher who's worried about having to take their kids out of private school when they can convince themselves that a man whose kind of background is holding a radar gun on the Bruce Highway, um, who won uh, his electorate by 3,000 votes, 1.5%. He, got, he nearly lost that one and he blamed bikies for it, Peter Dutton. How did they convince themselves? In case themselves? Didn't already. Captain Potato Head. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. Did they cap- how did they convince my, themselves that he was... My fellow leader? Queenslander. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just across the river, really, isn't it? That's true. The, um, I don't know, but whatever the, the Liberals were on, I'd like to smoke some of it mm. because <laughs> um, uh, the great uh, myth... Legal in New York. That's yeah. true. Well, at least in Colorado. The, uh, but uh, what always fascinates me south of the River Tweed is how conservatives in the great states of New South Wales, Victoria, and South Australia and Western Australia ever swallowed this dose of religion that Captain Potato Head was somehow popular in Queensland. Mm-hmm. He ain't. Yeah. I mean, even in his seat in that part of southeast Queensland, which I know well because I grew up very close to there. Yeah. Uh, you and Swan. Uh, myself and Mr Swan. 
the idea that uh, Potato Head was regarded as uh, the local saviour is just so much claptrap. So I think it was one of the greatest pieces of conservative mythology put around since Tony Abbott tried to convince people that he had a conscience. Mm. Mm. I'm interested to know what your opinion is about how Malcolm Turnbull, how this is the only thing that he's really honestly, he has said in the past and he's gone through with it is that there is no space in Parliament for an ex Prime Minister. As soon as he was out and he was out and he was gone. Did that surprise you that he actually did that? Because I think that a lot of Australians were kind of thinking that he'd be sticking around and trying to undermine the party, just like oh, What went through uh, Mr Turnbull's mind? I have no idea. Uh, and Malcolm has other options in life. When I ceased being Prime Minister in 2013, I was out of, out of there, quick smart, uh, went off to the United States, spent some time in Harvard, and then was offered a job running a think tank in New York, which, which is where I've been ever since. As for Tony Abbott, uh, one thing he shares with Wayne Swan is that both essentially outside of politics, unemployable. That's why they stay right. in politics. Uh, think about it. Uh, who would give Tony Abbott a job? The Christian lobby? <laughs> I don't know. Is... Abbott. Yeah, maybe. Mm, well, they might give uh, Morrison uh, such a job. Do you reckon he's unemployable? Do you reckon he'd, he'd fuck up a cup of coffee? Look, uh, if I was a corporate and you were to uh, think about uh, what skill set would need to be occupied by Captain Negative, uh, Dr. No, uh, and let's go the Biff uh, to solve uh, any particular problem, I'm not sure, uh, outside of uh, being a rugby league forward, that there's anything left. And given that Abbo has probably passed his time, Tony Abbott has passed his time uh, in terms of competitive football, I just don't see that he's employable. Yeah. Uh, people will say that's very uh, harsh, unkind and judgmental, but I'm trying to answer the question, why does yeah. he leave politics? Yeah. He's essentially unemployable. Yeah, right. And do you think that in, he wasn't even thinking three steps ahead before this by-election in Wentworth? He just wanted that's to... That's strategic planning. He for, just wanted to blow it up? Uh, who you mean? Abbott. Well, he was in Dutton's ear. But you know, oh, yeah, like yeah, Don yeah. King. No, no, Abbott didn't have anything else constructive to do with his time. So yeah. he was simply interested in how do I... Uh, extract uh, revenge on this guy, which is um, which is Turnbull. Well, it's great yeah. that he's occupied now with the special Indigenous envoy role. Um, Someone yeah. told me he showed up an hour and a half late for his first meeting. In fact, I think I saw that as a piece of uh, reporting in the Batuta Africa. Yeah, it was There's a Murray, Murray time. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Tony. Yeah, he's gone a bit quiet of late, but um, yeah, he no, he'll make, be back. He'll he be might back. make an appearance in the live show. Actually, old Uncle Tony. We'll uh, we'll see how we go. But can you tell us a little bit more now? What are some words that you want to like? You're off. Yeah, obviously, uncensored is a Batuta Advocate podcast. It's actually not a um, family show. Um, do you still? I always see it more like the Waltons. Uh, what you do? The Waltons. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good wholesome family. Good wholesome Western, family business. <laughs> Western uh, program, <laughs> and um, where yeah. where there are essentially. Uh, Midwestern American Christian values at play. That's how I've seen the Batuta Advocate. Are you telling me it's different? Well, that's actually... It's, it's interesting. You chose a good well, one because pretty much there's been a scandal in every single family show from that era, I think. 
Can't yeah. really talk about the Cosby's. Can't really very talk about safe. Hey Dad. Can't really talk about Seventh Heaven. Uh, the Waltons will take. Yeah, Thank it's you. very safe and apt metaphor for us, Kevin. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah. It's 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 good. It's a bit like the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you didn't really go to war with them, did you? Catholic uh, Church. Yeah. Would you yeah, consider no, but, yourself at war no. with them when you were? I mean, you're 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 a, you're a Christian man. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, captain of the uh, of the Rock Choppers at the time. Uh, Roman Catholics was Cardinal Pell. Cardinal yeah. Pell was not a, a huge fan of mine. Mm. He saw me basically in the seventh uh, level of hell, uh, yeah. just south of Dante's Inferno. And you probably um, <laughs> you, right. you kind of knew what was coming for him? No, 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 not at all. No? Not on that score. But no, uh, no his, uh, he actually went on the public record quite a long time ago, if you check your records, uh, yeah. as I'm sure you do at the Batuta. Uh, in the uh, extensive archives that you keep, mm. that uh, Cardinal Pell publicly said that Abbott would become a future Australian Prime Minister and a great one. Uh, Cardinal Pell did not have the same view of me, even though I grew up as a Roman Catholic, but I became apostate because I married a Protestant. Mm. Right. And he actually cares about that kind of shit? Apparently so. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's why he wrote you off. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, also... That's you, why they designed purgatory for people like me. You were less... You stay, <laughs> you stay there. Any of you guys grew up as a Roman Catholic? No, not me. It's seriously a problem Most for Most Methodists you. in the Channel Country. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But you have to be methodical to get across the Channel Country. Yeah, yeah, you do. And you've got to be patient. Mm. But... Wesley was a good bloke, the fellow who founded Methodism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early social justice advocate. Quakers are also very popular... Um, and also big supporters of um, of CWA Quakers. Quakers, mm. I didn't know that. Not yeah. you know. Yeah. Okay, I've got a lot of time for the Quakers. You got a lot of time. The CWA they ever bail you up in the in the main street? Of I grew up uh, in the Yumundi CWA Hall right. uh, in uh, Queensland. My mum was uh, a member of the CWA, and uh, it was my earliest exposure to international relations, which is they used to have International Day at the Yumundi CWA, where they used to bring along. Flags of other countries, pictures from abroad, cut out usually from the Australian Women's Weekly, yeah. as we studied the world. And we began with New South Wales yeah. um, and other foreign countries. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're still baking cakes in Yumundi, but they're just a different type of cake nowadays, I think. What, what's in those cakes? Um, well, you Some walk down the main street. Some stuff that might be legalised yeah, in yeah. about five or ten years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are these cakes that you munch mm. happily? Yeah, yeah. like oh. they do in Colorado. Oh, right, okay. Your Monday smells and a bit different. Too, think, it smells yeah. a bit different than when you were probably a boy, don't you reckon? It could do. It could do. In Aspen and Colorado, they have what they call the Aspen Ideas Festival. <clears throat> and I've been invited uh, to it a couple of times now to speak. It's one of those strange parts of America when you walk down the main street and you get high mm. just walking down the main street. Yeah. Like, I haven't smelt that sort of um, aroma since university. I mean, I yeah. heard about that. Smell yeah. at university. When you were working at Four Triple Z, when I was secretary of the Christian Union. Yeah. Yeah. So, were you, at, you you at Queensland Uni? No, no, no. I, fled, I, I yeah. fled south of the Tweed right. in yeah. search of enlightenment, so I went to the Australian National University instead. So you weren't one of those lefty kind of eighty era kids that were like all they can talk about to this day and age is how hard they had it under Sir Joe. Yeah. You kind of jumped ship and went down to Canberra early on. Yeah, I got a little tired of the banjo playing, mm. so uh, so I went down there. and uh, The corrugated iron curtain. The corrugated iron curtain. Interesting, though, when I went back to Queensland, final fag end of the Joe Bjorka-Peterson period, I worked at, uh, at as the chief of staff to the then Labor leader, Wayne Goss, yeah. who, after 32 years of Labor opposition, he finally took Labor back into government. Um, I became his chief of staff when he was Premier too. 
Anyway, when we were still in opposition and the National Party was still in power, uh, I remember having friends of mine around for dinner where the special branch of the coppers used to wait in cars outside for uh, the, uh, the party to finish and then just follow them home just to remind them who was in charge. <laughs> so I'm just old enough to remember the fag end of that regime. Yeah, yeah. They abolished, we abolished a special branch as the first act of the government when we won that election. Yeah, yeah. And Fortitude Valley really hasn't been the same since. Mm. I yeah. don't, don't know what you're talking about. Less mm. casinos. Yeah. <laughs> Above the cafes. Can you tell us a little bit more about going to Canberra? Do you feel, do you ever sit there and slap yourself? You, and you might have done it since you've been living in New York and kind of been a bit detached. All the stuff you're talking about now... I've never been that sort of slapping. I don't know about you. D- d- detached, <laughs> detached from the, from the, you know, the inner work yeah, of the you, Labor Party. Can, do, oh, you, do you ever yeah, sit there and tell yourself... You know, you talk yeah. about parties and factional factions and stuff like that. Do you ever think the lay person doesn't really care about any of this and uh, can't relate to it? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, they just want a stable government. Yeah. yeah, I think... In the past, I think there was a view that the Australian public would prefer to turn a blind eye to most of that internal party, what's the technical word? Crap. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Whether it's on the conservative side or our side. So long as there was a stable government which got most of the key things done. And then come election time, they'd think about it again. The problem is uh, that internal, to use the technical term again, crap, uh, just became so public and so in your face and so destabilising on a rolling basis, public couldn't ignore it anymore. And so, so visibly out of control. Yeah, so we ended up in um, coup country instead, mm. just uh, south of Batuta. Mm. Did you think of naming your book that, actually? <laughs> <laughs> oh, country. God, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do the sequel. You're an exile in New York. Well, the, uh, the conclusion of the book is actually a reflection on uh, coup culture because mm. I didn't finish... Th- writing the conclusion until Malcolm went under the bus yeah. and became the la- latest piece of Australian political roadkill. Uh, and so uh, the last bit of the book is why the hell has this happened in our country and what yeah. can we do about it? And part of the answer to that is what I've, we've already talked about in this uh, broadcast uh, with the Batuta Advocate um, podcast on... Uh, changing the rules of these parties to prevent politicians from regarding the prime ministership or the leadership of their parties as the political playthings of the moment. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And, and also the, the most interesting thing is that polls actually are quite inaccurate, um, is what a lot of these uh, the, the punters are kind of finding, because the polls weren't uh, showing Trump and the polls weren't really showing Brexit. And the polls um, are what these backbenchers base their hysterical knee-jerks off, right? Yeah, and I talk about that at the end of the book as well. Mm. I describe, number one, the young Labor, young liberal generation of party apparatchiks who have, uh, who uh, only have been taught one thing, that to get ahead in life, you have to catch and kill your own. That is, yeah. knock off the bloke in front of you, usually the bloke. Number two... Uh, factional power brokers, essentially talentless individuals who couldn't uh, win on the basis of their own merit. So what do they do? Uh, gang together the kids in the corner of the playground, elect themselves leader and say, uh, I can organise a slot for you. But now, rampant control in the Conservatives as well. Number three, the uh, cult of the opinion poll. Uh, death, life, triumph, tragedy, defeat. 
uh, uh, or um, eternal victory proclaimed every fortnight without realising the business of politics in government is actually a marathon. Yeah. And four is the rules business we've talked about, which make you know, political coups so easy. And five is the rolling cancer on Australian democracy called Rupert Murdoch. Put them together, you end up with coup country. Yeah. And with that, we'll yeah. let you go. I think that book needs to be uh, expanded out into this vast anthology. That book that you're holding is just pure poetry. I mean, it's, it is. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a work. It's a work. I'm not, I doubt it. I doubt it because um, there'll be a bunch of journalists there from the Murdoch Press who would rather sink a rusty stake through my heart than accord well, this any literary award. On that note, Kevin, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you um, to all the other Batus. I wish you the best of luck in the future. Yeah, all the best and, in all of your endeavors. come back for a run at state uh, politics in Queensland. Well, uh, use time. Well, I recently interviewed uh, Dr. Mahathir Mohammed. Uh, in uh, New York, the recently re-elected Prime Minister of Malaysia at the age of 93. Um, and I said, Dr. M, how did you do it? You're the patron saint of political comebacks. So he gave me a few herbal recipes. Yeah, right. Uh, so get ready yeah. for Kevin 47. We've heard it here first. <laughs> That's right. right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Batoots. <laughs> 